for the next year or two? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. But I know I'm going to be talking about this whole thing of patterning the life of Christ. To look at Christ because he is the model for us, isn't he? He's a tangible model. That's why God sent his son to be a tangible model. We could touch, feel, see, and to pattern our lives on his life. How did he live? How did he love? What did he do with his life? Was he self-centered or was he consumed with others? His time with his father, we're going to look at that. How he prayed when he laid hands on people. How he walked together with his disciples. Why did he choose that way? Was it the best option or was it the option? This is how I'm going to pattern something for you to see that you would replicate it. I think he knows best. And I'm going to look at We're going to rip apart all these ways in which he patterned his life because he's perfect theology. I love that statement. He is perfect theology. You want to know what God looks like? Look at him. And he says, and Paul says, well, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. And that's a huge challenge for the church, to imitate Paul, to imitate Christ, but to imitate Christ and to become like the Christ. Not many gods, but like the Christ. And so today I want to look at this incredible statement. So if you've got your Bibles, come here to John 5 verse 30. And really I'm basing most of this message out of this particular passage. John 5 verses 30. I want to encourage you to bring your words, bring your Bible with you. It's food, food for the soul. And God can speak to you, hopefully through me, but he can speak to you just as you're opening up and reading other things. I love when God does that. So I ask my life group guys, what does God say to you as you are in with the saints? What is it he's speaking to you about specifically? Because I do believe he has a word for every single person, every time. Every time you turn to him, he has something to say. He wants to encourage you, wants to maybe reproof you a little bit, bring you into correction, just continue to define you as a person. So John 5 verse 30, Jesus says this, I can do nothing. Everyone say that. (laughs) On my own initiative, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I can do nothing. So I have a question for us. What is Jesus patterning here for us? The first thing I want us to get into our heads as we launch into this, looking at his life, is he's patterning a totally submitted and surrendered life to the Father. And this is where it all starts. This is where our Christian faith starts. Jesus Christ is modeling for us what a totally submitted and surrendered life is going to look like. He says this, I can do nothing on my own initiative. This is God in the flesh. He was fully man on earth. We see him, you read about him doing incredible things in his ministry, but he actually starts with a statement, you know, I can do nothing in my own initiative, my own strength. I don't have an agenda. 
I didn't come with my own agenda. I came to do my father's agenda. And we have to be very, very careful in the body of Christ that we don't get carried away with just being thinking it's all about these external works and we want to rush off and do all this stuff. We are called to do these things, but are we doing it submitted and surrendered to the Father? Because if you don't, you get in a whole lot of trouble. You end up in places that you shouldn't be. You start carrying burdens that he doesn't want you carrying. And you wonder why Christianity is so hard and it ain't free. When the Bible says it's free, it's a freedom that we're to come into. The whole point of Jesus' life was to bring the church into freedom. But there's a good portion of the church living in bondage, slavery. Why? Because sometimes we're doing our own things and our own initiatives and the one we follow, Jesus Christ, said, I can do nothing in my own initiative. It's a powerful truth that we have to capture here. Because in man there is this insatiable need that wants to do. But you don't, I want to go do this. Good. Is it submitted? Have you heard? Or is it just you outworking your need to serve you? And the church is has been, can be good at doing that. We really don't serve. We serve ourselves because we have this need that needs to be met. I need this need met, so I do this thing, but it's not submitted to him at all. And it's cancerous and poisonous. I can do nothing. He says, as I hear, as I hear from him. We had an incredible time on Tuesday night. At Mountain Movers. Unbelievable. The best one yet for the presence of God being in this room. And I can tell you when everything shifted, why it shifted, and how it shifted. Because I heard, and there was an obedience to hearing, and then someone else heard and stepped out in faith, opened her mouth and uttered words from her spirit. And I'm telling you, the presence of God just went boom. I felt it tangibly in me like I had electrodes going through my body. I can't tell you what LJ sang, but it was from his spirit. Because we both heard and we were obedient to what we heard and she stepped out in faith. And God honors that. And I opened my eyes to see about 50, 55 people, most people kneeling. Simon was lying down for about half an hour. We were praying over him as well. Didn't move. Not about that. Was that God turned out? Why? Because people heard. Can you hear? Yongi Cho, in a massive conference that he was invited to, when he stood up in front of about, I don't know, 600, 1,000 pastors who were all waiting for this amazing word. This man that has 900,000 people, part of his community and career. And they're all there with their pens and paper waiting to go. Spent thousands to get there. And he gets up and says, hear and obey, and sat down. And there was this real uneasy feeling. Well, yeah, what else? I've spent thousands getting here. That can't be it. I'm waiting for this whole dialogue of stuff. 
Apparently there was a sense of real uneasiness and the people hosting the conference were like, So he got back up. He said, do you want me to confuse you? And sat back down. Not built on man's wisdom. Can I hear? I can do nothing on my own initiative. Nothing at all. Now we can do a lot of things, can't we? In our own strength. Can I hear? Jesus said, I, as I hear, I judge. As I hear, I act. As I hear, I start to speak. I can judge. And he says this, and my judgment is just. Why? Because I've heard from heaven. Positioning ourselves to hear is critical for the church. That's why we create these environments like today, like mountain movers, like life groups, like the training arm Ignite, to create an environment that we can hear from the Father. It's all we can do as a leadership. I can't make anybody come. We can't make you do the things. You have to make a decision to engage in the process, to hear from heaven for yourself and then take an active step of faith. What did Jesus say? I'm looking for faith when I return. And then Jesus says this. He says, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Mate, those words are huge right there. I'm seeking my own will, but from the one who sent me. And we see Jesus doing this his entire life, from when he was born to when he entered. He's 12 years old. He's doing the Father's will. And his mum and dad get really upset. They go away. He comes back for three days. I don't know where he is. And when his mum and dad turn up, they go to rebuke him. And he says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? See, wrong paradigm of thinking in parents. You're our kid. No, you're not. My father's house. You may have brought me into the world, but you're not my father. My spiritual father, my greater father. You're actually my brother in Christ and my sister in Christ. Chosen vessels to bring me into this world. Can you hear what I'm saying? But my father and my father's will must be done. As a 12-year-old, and mum and dad got a bit ticked off. And what you're seeing there is a kingdom heart and a worldly heart operating. From his life, you see him, he goes to Samaria. He He crosses cultural and political barriers to get to that woman at the well. Shouldn't have been anywhere near the area or with her. What's he doing? The father's will. He gets up early in the morning to spend time with his father. He's hanging out with his three. He's hanging out with his twelve. What's he doing? The father's will. He goes into the, into the temple. He lifts up the tables. He's presented. He, he's putting himself in a position of being killed. What's he doing? The father's will. He places himself with sinners and prostitutes and he's prepared to be shunned upon by the religious system. Why? Because he's doing the father's will. And then the ultimate act of the Father's will is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm telling you, he didn't want to go through that process. He even says it. If there's another way, Father, please, would you take it from me? But he knows deep in his core that he has to go through it. Why? Because it's the Father's will. What's the Father's will for you and me?
The ultimate Father's will for His church. We've been talking about it. I'm telling you, it's a bride. It's a marriage. It's the ultimate relationship. But there's a process that He went through and we must go through. And I'm sorry, but it's a crushing one. It's a crushing one of our will. And we don't really like this message. But Jesus modelled it and he patterned it for us. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's in the Garden of Gethsemane? Olive trees. Surrounded by olive trees. What do you get on olive trees? Olives. What do you get from olives? Oil. The word narrow, narrow pathway means crushing. He's modelling something for us. As our will gets crushed, it releases oil. What did the five virgins and the other five virgins have that the others didn't have? Oil. And five entered into the kingdom and five didn't. John the Baptist said, you must increase, I must decrease. You can't kill yourself. Hear me. Those words, that order is critical. He must increase, I must decrease. As I am consumed with the kingdom, seek first the kingdom, his righteousness and his kingdom. I'll add all these things. As I'm consumed with God and God's ways and God's purposes and letting go of my life, I will increase in God and I be actually become less and less and less and less. God said, Jesus said, deny yourself. Didn't he? It's funny how that order, deny yourself. What's he really saying? Deny yourself. Pick up this killing thing, this cross that killed me. And come follow me. And as you follow me, you become less and less, and I become more and more and more. Now we call ourselves Christians. The Bible, and hold me to this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the Bible only mentions the word Christian about two or three times. But it uses the word disciple about 252 times. You see, on one aspect, it's easy to pray a prayer by faith. Thanks for that. It's another thing to walk it out. What did Jesus say when he returns? What's he looking for? Faith. Faith for what? Faith for people that run the race. Allow him to define them in every facet of life. I can do nothing on my own initiative. Jesus' way is one of brokenness and submission. God is not a democratic, he's not, he's not a God of democracy. He's theocracy. I'm king and I have a way and it is done this way, no other way. And once again, if we're in the flesh, it's not that nice a message, but if you're in the spirit, it's life. 
If you're in the spirit, it's life because you know at the death of self comes life. Unless the seed dies and falls to the ground, it doesn't produce life. If you lose your life, you will find your life. Man, it's truth. But that takes the crushing of one's will, of control. I am the way, brokenness, submission. I am the truth, repentance. As you repent and turn to me, back to me, I am the life, revelation. You come on fire. Because our hearts are full of stuff that we don't know if they're full of. We think we pray a prayer, we come in and I'm clean. Well, I did too, but I realize you're starting to show me some things. Our hearts are saturated in self. My heart is saturated in self. And when God comes and he wants to bring it, he's, I'm, you know, you've known, I'm sharing more and more of my testimony, he came and presented a mirror. And you're confronted with some things. You can either do three things. Sweep it under the carpet. Look, don't like that. Don't come out. So we sweep it under the carpet or we deny it. No, no, that's not me. It's not my reality. Or we embrace it and allow the process, the crushing to happen. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined through a fire. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went into the fire. Man, those men were committed to God. I don't care what you do to us, Nebuchadnezzar. Throw us in the fire. And they went into the fire. And he's looking and he says, there's someone else in there. We only put three people in there. We see four people. Who was it? Christ. Christ walks with you as you enter the fire, the crushing and says, come on, let's go. And they walked out of the fire knowing so much more, understanding so much more about their God, trusting so much more. Anyone want to try that at home? I Probably not to, unless you're here to do it. Look at your heads around. This is truth. They walk through fire. Can I trust you, God? I think so. And the awesome thing is, they didn't smell of the fire when they came out. Now, tends what happens is sometimes people actually don't enter the fire. We try and get round the fire. We try and do it another way. Uh, my will will be done. I don't like your will, so I'm going to try this way. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. I'll go over the hill. Stop. So some don't even go in the fire. Some go into the fire. And sit in the fire too long and start moaning in the fire. Wah, 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 wah. And so you sit in the fire. Instead of moving through the fire with him. And you never come out of the fire. And some come out of the fire stinking of the fire. Wah, 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 wah. But we're supposed to move through the fire, the crush and come out the other end. And life smelling beautiful. 
radiance, revelation, life. You bring life into others' world. The Spirit flows through you. There's an abundance of Him in you coming out of you. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me will flow rivers. Do you want to be a river flower? Do you want to have the Spirit coming out of you like a river? Die to yourself. Enter the crushing process. What does it look like? Every time you have an opportunity to do His will, whether it's you're being persecuted, whether someone brings truth into you that's not necessarily your paradigm, where whatever happens to you is an opportunity to be crushed and for life to come. Try it when you go home. Someone cuts you off, what comes out of you? It's an opportunity to enter the crushing process and for love to be formed. Why? Because there's a bride, there's a wedding waiting. There's a formation. God wants to form his love in us that you become like him. Not just head knowledge of him, you're becoming him. So when you're confronted with a whole lot of stuff, you act like him. You can actually get on the cross and go, Father, forgive them. That's the ultimate. I will build my church. I'm building people that look like my son, that act like my son, live like my son, love like my son. And it's what a world is waiting for that the manifold wisdom of God would come through the church into the heavenly realms. The angelic realm are waiting for a church on earth to look like the sun. And it'll cost me and you everything. Death to my will. And my will is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. God gave me this beautiful image. I might upset some people right now because... Me and my family and a few other families from the Rock went to races, the horse races, the Wellington, the week before Wellington anniversary day. They had a massive family day at the Wellington races. They have all sorts of air castles and all this fun stuff and this face painting for the kids and you know there's people raising funds for all this good stuff. There's a lot of non-Christians there. It's good, and uh, we're out there and it was awesome time with the kids, you know and. I'm watching as these horses are sort of going around the little sort of parade. And there's this one horse that doesn't want the jockey on its back. And it's a big sucker. He's a beautiful looking horse. And this little, you know, 54 kilo little guy, they talk like that a lot. Um, he's you know, about this short and he's trying to get on this thing. This is tall. And this thing's kicking off, and it really doesn't want to bar it. And, and the other horses are coming out, and it's only this small little area. So I could see panic starting to come across the jockey and the trainers. They're trying to get this horse, this guy on this horse. Anyway, as they're trying to go, well, I've got to get him out the pen. And they try and lead this hawk onto, horse onto the racetrack. And as they go through the little sort of gate, the jockey gets up, and he gets on, but the horse's not having it. And the horse flicks its legs and flicks him off the horse, and he crashes onto this um, fencing on his back. He had this crunch and this, ah! The ambulance are right there. Fortunately, they come along and, you know, and the other horses, you know, they're having a look and they're moving out the thing. And Anyway, he manages, okay, he gets up and a brave little guy, he gets back on the horse and it takes off ready to the starting game. And then obviously, you know, go, psh, they go in the race, they come, and they're coming round, you know, through, the, through the, the finish line and this horse, not the same horse, this other horse, and it's just, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing in motion, seeing this horse, this incredible beast, run and freedom. And the jockey just being aligned and just running. And pff, pff, pff. They run past you like 100 miles an hour and I won 10 grand. Kidding. 
Um, <laughs> but in this moment, God said to me, Greg, this is what an unharnessed will looks like, and a harnessed will. I'm the jockey. And we've got a church that tries to flick me off its back because it's trying to do its own thing. But when you get a jockey, that under, when you get a horse that understands it's been reined in, and that will that's in, in each of us, which is a powerful thing God has given us, when it's honed and reined in, this thing runs and it's free. And look at the speed in which it runs and the alignment. It was an incredible picture of what the church, I believe, is to become. So many personal agendas. Even, and I was sharing this with Wendy before, God gives us his authority. He gives us authority to fulfill his will and this internal, external thing. But we can literally get caught up in all these external things. We can get caught up in healings and prophecy and I've shared this and all these things and actually get out of an alignment because now you're not hearing him and it's from your own initiative and you get in trouble. And so yes, we've got to understand that the kingdom is two parts. There's this part and this part. So yeah, you know, I'm going, I've got all these things for you to do but is it submitted to me? Is it aligned to me and my way? And that's a challenge for us because we need to walk in intimacy to be able to hear and then obey. Not just do whatever. Does that make sense? There's so many agendas in the church. Do you know how many denominations there are today? Christian denominations? 30,000. Now, the book I read says this, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. And I pray for these people that will hear the message of these 12 men and I pray they will be one as we are one. And if these people are one, then a world would know that I was sent for them. When I read the Bible, it says that we'd be one spirit, one purpose, one mind, one love. You cannot get away from reading this thing called unity, but true unity is of the spirit. Anything else is just conformity. And the church is great at conforming, but not necessarily going through the process, the crushing, to actually walk in true unity. And you can disagree in true unity, but there's a frequency of true unity that when you say red, the person hears red. You could say yabba dabba do, and the person understands what you're saying. Because why? Because both people have been crushed through and gone through the same process. And the early church had this spiritual unity that was so incredible that people were flocking to them. It wasn't just about giving away their stuff. What, what was the heart position that they would sell everything? There wasn't a need that wasn't met. It's not about the interest, it's about the heart posture. They were doing the will of the Father. They'd been saturated of self. Listen to what Galatians 2.20 says. I've been crucified with Christ. This is Paul. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live it by faith. What's he coming back for? People of faith. The righteous will live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I find it fascinating that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Donkeys are known for stubbornness, hard-hardness, maybe sometimes laziness. They don't want anyone on their back. Yet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rode in on a donkey, a submitted donkey. Think about how much of the will must have been broken for that donkey to have him on his back. I think it's a prophetic picture of us. We're actually to be donkeys. Good-looking donkeys. I'm not going to say that word. (laughs) There's another word for donkey. (laughs) Donkeys who know their authority. Donkeys who, what does it say in Matthew? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you know what that means? means you know who you are and you know who you're not. You know who he is. So once again, like my message last week, without Christ, now without his grace, man, I think it's so beautiful. God gives us this grace umbrella that we live under. But without him, none of us are good. None of us. There's nothing in me that is good without him. I am doomed to a place called a lake of fire. And because his love was so powerful, it came. And so I have to remember where I've come from and the nature that still rages. Now understand your grace that compels me and catapults me into knowing I am now a son, but I'm still submitted and aligned under authority. So I cannot just willy-nilly go out and do what I want. I'm under submissional. I'm under the, it's what the Matthew 8 is all about. With the centurion, I'm a man under authority. I cannot do anything in my own initiative. I must hear him and act from that place. Why was Moses in the wilderness for 40 years? Well, he was in there before they were. Yep, i go with what Mike, is that to get Babylon out of him. I often thought, I used to think, I'd read you know, about Moses and I'd go, you know, you know, how many comes to go, oh, I can't say anything. I'm useless at speech. And I'd, 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 I'd like, harden up, man, come on. Well, of course you can say a whole lot of stuff. You know, you grew up in Egypt. You grew up, I reckon he probably was the orator of orators under the system where he would have received the best of the best. He would have known how to do a whole lot of things, skilled in the ways of man, skilled in the processes and the principles of man. And God says, I'm going to take you from here and put you 40 years to get the world out of you. All the thinking, the patterns, the way the world does everything, I'm going to put you and strip you of all that. And he comes back and he says, I don't know 
I would have at one point in my life, but I've been stripped of self. And I'm naked and I'm empty and God goes, it's exactly where I want you. Now go and say, I am sent you. Can you imagine this? It's two words. <laughs> Something think about it. It's like, imagine going to John Key. Got an appointment. So who sent you? I am. I mean, think about it. Right. <laughs> and then not only has he have to go to Egypt, he's got to go to his own people with this defining truth, reality of God to the stiff-necked, hard-hearted bunch of people. And don't think we're any different. Don't think because it's the Old Testament that same nature's not in me and you. We're stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and the stuff God is doing right now in our hearts of purification. Because there's a wedding. He wants us all at the wedding. He wants a spotless, blameless, perfect bride. Why would you want to go through the crushing process of your will so you can be spotless and blameless and perfect and be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Extra oil that's been produced. Moses was stripped of his self-sufficiency pillar. Listen to what John 12:49 says. For, oh, this is Jesus. For I did not speak on my own initiative, But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. John 15 verses 5, 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Jesus is the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Now I know in my own strength, I can do a lot of things. But if I want to produce fruit, righteous fruit, fruit that won't be burnt up at the judgment seat, I have to remain in the vine. I have to be linked to the Father. And this is what Jesus patterned for us. He was so aligned and linked to his Father. He was consumed with his Father's will. He was aligned to it. There was nothing else he was doing in his life but the Father's will. He was prepared to go through whatever he was going to go through to do the Father's will, which was the ultimate act of physical death. If you lose your life, you'll find it. You'll produce fruit the word abide means to remain as one not to become another or different how many denominations have we got today 30,000 the word abide to remain as one not to become another or different we don't know how to be one because our will is being manifested And if the church would die to ourselves and our will, our agendas, I, 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 there was no I in Christ. He had been drained of self. 
And I appreciate it's an ongoing process. But in theory, you come, I was baptised in those waters there. In theory, when Greg Sumner came, Simner came out, the old Greg Sumner should have stayed in the water. But what we know, what happens is Greg Sumner comes out, the old and the new, and the old still wants to manufacture his own will. And so now it's a dying process that you must go through, choosing his will over your own. And God will give you, if you really want this, God will give you plenty of opportunity to work that out. Why? Because he wants you at that marriage. If you're genuine, if you're honest, if you really want this, if your heart is supple and hungry for him, you ask it, he'll present multiple opportunities. My heart at times is wicked. And I'm going to finish on this. I'm going to read Psalm 51, which David said, which fascinates me. This is straight after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba. In 51, Psalm 51, 16, maybe just have the musos back, he says this, For you do not delight in sacrifice. <laughs> you do not delight in sacrifice. But God, I've done this, and I've done that. And haven't you seen me get up early in the morning and pray and do this? Haven't you seen me go to all those meetings? Haven't you seen me do this? Haven't you seen me reach out to... Yeah. What did Jesus say? I don't want sacrifice, I want compassion. When he came in front of the Pharisees and they were self-righteous judging. I'm not here for that. I want to see compassion. He says, don't delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise now you've got to hear me what I'm not saying is this person that allows themselves to be abused and used and a rag doll I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about here that is false humility it's a person that knows who he is and through knowing who he is they know who they are and they willfully submit their lives to him because they know that's the greatest thing they can do to be formed into his image Jesus said unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees you will not enter the kingdom of heaven now the Pharisees were trying to become righteous through the law they were trying to do this thing through sacrifices and where to do it to obedience through love and as you allow his initiative, I can do nothing. So God, show me what you want me to do. In every situation, what do you want me to do? I want to hear from heaven. And as you are obedient to that, righteousness is formed in you. The righteous acts of the saints is the fine linen garment. Spirit-led works in you, producing a work out of you. Unless your righteousness exceeds those and they were on a pursuit of it. Well, the question I have is, are we through an act of love? Are we on a pursuit of righteousness? Right standing in the sense of, God, I want to do you well. Now, you've got me on that, half of me that, because that's what your son did. But just read Paul's letters. I haven't obtained it all yet. I'm saved, but there's something beyond this earth. 
way beyond this earth for the church. Scriptures like that we would be a pillar that supports truth. I mean, what's that all about? Rather than just someone who exists waiting for a certain day called death to turn up. Incredible what we are invited to partake of. Incredible. And he looks. He's looking now. He's been looking for 6,000 years since it all began. The Bible says there are men and women of faith cheering the saints on, waiting for them to come to a place that they can be complete. Those that are waiting, they're cheering us on because at the completion of that coming together, you have this bride of Christ. You have the priest. You have kingdom. So run your race well. Run it submitted to him. Maybe some of us today need to turn and ask him to forgive us for trying to control our own lives. It's natural. It's want to control. I've wanted to control for years. I want to have this all sorted out. Live safe. Faith is R-I-S-K. Jesus didn't come to bring safety. He came to bring life. Christianity is not to be a cool thing. It's to be a transforming thing. I don't, can't imagine going up to Paul and saying, mate, you lived a cool life. Guy lost his head. Imagine having oil poured over you and going, mate, it's cool being a Christian here with my DVDs and my resources. And no, please hear me, I'm not, but mate, some of the stuff we're up to. 30,000 denominations. And Jesus said, can you love one another? If you love one another, it's the greatest commandment. Forget about you. Make a choice to put on love and walk together. And I'll come. And I'll come be amongst you. And you'll see things you've only ever dreamed of. And I will build my church. I'll save your mate that you want saving. I'll save your dad, your brother, your mother, your sister. If you pray and live the way my son lived, totally submitted. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, I walk. Because it's not about my will, your will be done. And guys, it starts right here. It's not an external thing. It's an internal working. Always has to start here. Why? Because he's looking for something. Looking for a bride. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you that you're the author of life, the giver of life, the transformer of life. And when we let go, you come in ways that we have only ever dreamed of. Help us to get our hands off controlling our own lives and our own destinies. Destinies, heaven, new heaven and new earth. You've given us that one. Help us, Lord, to let go of the control 
and be like that horse that was harnessed and running free because you've come to free us and we'll never be free while we're hanging on to our own stuff, our own will. So continue to purge us of ourselves and strengthen us, Holy Spirit. I pray that we would seek you and as we seek you with a humble heart, you would fill us with your Spirit again and again and again and our minds would be aligned, transformed through the renewing of our minds that we would see and think like you. Thank you, Heavenly Father.